Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Spooktober begins as your hosts talk ghosts and ghouls all month long, starting with a meta twist on slasher flicks. We're talking Scream on Normies Like Us. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror. Then it's time for your last chance question. This is the moment when the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. Not in my movie. Welcome back, normies, for a special Spooktober! As we set up top, we're hitting the Halloween month as we move into October this month where we only cover horror-themed properties. And this week, we're talking a big one. We're talking Scream! With your host, Killer Colin. I'll be Mike Barrymore. <laughs> Deputy Jacob here. You guys are going off pretty quick then. we got a special guest this episode as well. We are joined by the fantabulous, the amazing Alex Taylor. How are you, sir? Hey, fine, guys. I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, and you can make up a crazy uh, Scream-related name if you have one off the top of your head. I never planned ahead of time. I usually go by Deputy. Dewey was my favorite character, so... um, I'll try to think of something, but I don't have anything right now. (laughs) You are a horror aficionado, though, and we're happy to have you on this episode. Are we talking one of your favorite horror franchises? Is Scream up there, my friend? Uh, Actually, Scream uh, is my favorite franchise, and I have lots of reasons as to why. Um, I think it's the most consistent of the entire, like, of every uh, horror movie franchise. It's probably the only one that I can think of that has the same... Director, core cast, cinematographer, composer, casting director, production designer... Uh, save for maybe Evil Dead. I, I can't really think of any other True. films that are this cohesive, save for, for sure. the fifth one. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, I never thought of the, the kind of continuity between all of them being a thing. Uh, I always kind of looked at the Scream franchise as the last like major franchise to introduce like a pop culture figure, like a, like a Mike Myers, like a you know Jason or a Freddy. So I kind of always looked at Ghostface as that, but... Yeah, the quality, I think, of every movie, because all those other franchises have extreme highs and extreme lows, it is pretty even. That's a nice point. Uh, yeah, I agree with Alex and everything here, because um, Scream's also one of my favorite uh, horror franchises. Um, and I think it's one of the only like four movie series where like I think every movie in the series is actually good, um, with I think three being the weakest one, but I still think it's fun. So, um, yeah, and so I'm happy to have our friend Alex on. Uh, basically, when I think of Halloween and I think of horror movies, I pretty much only think of, I think of our, our uh, normie brethren, Joe, and I think of our friend Alex. So uh, happy to have you on, man, um, and happy to talk some screen. That's legit, like, the sweetest thing anyone said to me in a while. <laughs> that means a bunch. That, like, means it's a true. Talk. And normies, if you don't know, we, uh, we used to have these Halloween parties at Alex's yes. house. He would go all out with the decoration and everything, and they were amazing. So um, good times there. Yeah, we would actually start that. uh, We started that in college. Joe and I would actually throw Halloween parties when he lived with Cole and I think Ricky. So we would go crazy. We'd we'd watch horror movies every single night. We'd have a schedule. We'd carve pumpkins. We'd... Like cook the seeds. We'd make our costumes. Like uh, we always dude, had October. Dude, you made the best pumpkin booked. seeds. 
I did. I, I kind of forgot how to do it. Every time I cook pumpkin seeds now, I just burn them, which. <laughs> yeah, yeah it could be to some per- people's taste. Yeah. And a- as we mentioned, listeners, we're here for the old uh, Spooktober starting now. Every Halloween, or every October, we try to do all spooky <sighs> themed episodes. This kicking off. But Colin, I want to ask you about Scream. But also, you always start off your 31 Days of Hell as uh you have your list ready? What's going on? It's 31 there? Days of Halloween. I do 31 movies, a movie a day, kind of exactly what Alex said. But I just give a big sigh because of these quarantine times, right? It's like, what are we doing for this Halloween? We can do cool stuff like indoors, like Alex just said. We could we could make pumpkin seeds, but you're not doing a maze. You're not doing a horror place. No. Um, I'm no, bummed. No big parties this year. Yeah. Not trick-or-treating. Mm. you got to be watching horror movies. You have to be watching stuff like mm-hmm. Scream. Um, well, I, a little history, Alex. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this. In our last Spooktober episode, Mike asked for some hot takes last year about like horror stuff. Mike even said, you know, on recording, you didn't like it. Follows maybe something I would disagree with. My hot take was <laughs> I'm not the biggest Scream franchise fan. That's all I said. Not the biggest fan. These guys immediately say you don't like Scream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the reaction, <laughs> How dare I, mean, I just you, couldn't sir. believe it. So this is I like this franchise, but I'm I'm gonna point out some problems I have with it. Totally fair. Um, yeah, for me, like I like I said, it's up there with my favorites, and I think just the what Alex is saying, the consistency of you know the director, except for the third one, which didn't have Kevin Williamson writing the script, uh, which I think is a big part of why it's the weakest one. But I still enjoy it; it's still a lot of fun. And then even Scream Four, I think is 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 totally great and they get Kevin Williamson back and everything. All right, well, we're going to talk Scream 1, 2, 3 and 4 cuz we know what you are here for. Let's jump into the spooks, the scares, the spooktacular normies like us 2020 quarantine edition. Episode 1, Scream. Let's go. What's your favorite scary movie? We're back. We're at our home. We're making popcorn. Oh, a spooky, scary night. I'm going to turn on a horror movie. I'm thinking of choosing Stab. I don't know about you guys. I really love that franchise. Drew Barrymore, is that you? No, I'm Drew Barrymore, <laughs> but is. I do also love Stab oh. and popcorn made on the stovetop. <laughs> yeah. So, Scream, right? Old-fashioned. As we're kind of alluding, Scream. right? Very consistent franchise, kind of, uh, in my opinion, the first real kind of deconstruction of the genre. That's kind of how it was intended. And I think it's very successful, but it also stands on its own as, you know, a, a horror franchise. But I want to throw it to Alex first as a guest. What off the top of your head is kind of what you enjoy about this franchise? Well, I think it's pretty much what most people enjoy about the franchise. It's uh, if, if you're a horror movie fan, it kind of gives you everything you want. And it also gives you that whole like sort of... Um, feeling of uh like you feel smart because you get the references mm-hmm. like i don't know just right. the, uh, just how meta it is and all the the horror movie references uh sometimes subtle sometimes very overt um i think that's one of the reasons i love it uh, i also think it's the characters this is the only franchise where i can actually think of when a character dies i'm like legitimately sad Right. Um, like when it's either like Randy in Scream 2 or Cotton Weary in Scream 3. I remember being just like 
mortified. Is that a ghost or is that a cat? Yeah, we just oh, had a a, we just had a poltergeist. A Already getting spooky. <laughs> Watch out! There's uh, someone behind you, Jacob. Oh no! This would be the way. The, yeah, this would be the way to go. Totally. Um, also, speaking as a composer, I have to say I love the score. Mm. I love Marco Beltrami's work, which is funny because he doesn't even he didn't even really want to do horror scores, but that's kind of like what he's known for now. I mean, he does really? like westerns and stuff like that, but like between like Scream and like the Blade. Oh no, I don't think he did Blade, but um, he did like it. Uh, what's uh, it? No, no. What's the the um, A Quiet Place? Oh, mm. right. He did that one too. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. That's yeah. yeah I, no, no, it's Sorry. great music. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think the score is great, and I think of in particular like, like Dewey and Gale's theme is like that country sounding song. It's like do do, almost sounds like Twin Peaks oh, or something. Oh man, I didn't fun fact, that. that's actually that's Hans Zimmer. Oh, okay, they, they actually for Scream Two they licensed that track. It was temp. It was supposed to be temp music because they wanted Dewey's song to be kind of like his theme would be sort of like this Western throwback, and that's actually right. from Bro- Broken Arrow. Okay. Which is odd. Oh my and god! Then, like, yeah, it definitely yeah, sounds and, like a western sound. Yeah, and then Marco, like he did like a rendition, um, which actually ends up being Dewey's theme in Scream Three. Um, but like the Weinstein's, they just loved it, so they licensed it and they just kept it in. They're really good at doing that. They did the same right. thing for Halloween H two O. They actually licensed music from Scream, okay, which I think is yeah. funny. And then of course, you know, you got the Nick Cave classic "Red Right Hand," the iconic Scream song. Um, but yeah, uh, if I can go off of what Alex is saying, um, I think uh, as a film nerd myself, I mean, I love that meta shit. I love, you know, movies about movies. Um, so, of course, this is right up my alley. And if you think about something like, you know, a movie like Cabin in the Woods, which is another movie I like a lot, that movie like pretty much wouldn't exist without Scream. Like Scream really set the, the template for movies like that. So um, just think about when it came out, it really revitalized the slasher uh, genre as well, um, even being like a, a meta movie about slasher movies, um, it just kind of reunited in the 90s. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, Wes Craven, the um, iconic Wes Craven, who's, who's known for a couple different horror franchises, um, but he did like Last House on the Left and some early like 70s and 80s horror movies as well. Yeah, he was one of the few directors that was influential throughout every decade. So through the 70s, he had Last House on the Left, which was like this weird, it was like almost torture porn. It wasn't quite that. Right. Um, it was a, a little more tasteful, but you still felt like you had to take a shower afterwards. It's like Grindhouse. <laughs> yeah, like you shouldn't be watching this, but like you keep watching it. Um, and then, of course, in the 80s, Nightmare on Elm Street. And then the 90s, Scream. I love Wes Craven. He's uh, he's one of my favorites. And it's uh, when he died, I was like, we miss you. Heartbroken. Yeah, dude, yeah. I was like heartbroken, especially because it was such a surprise. Really sad. Yeah. Um, and then you have Kevin Williamson writing the script, who, uh, you know, he's Right. So you got uh, <laughs> Dawson's Creek. Right. That's right, and then baby. You got, um, and then, of course, he did, like, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summer and stuff, which is another kind of uh, slasher, slasher teen movie from the 90s and, and a bunch of other stuff as well. But um, I think the combination of them working together, like, it really just works. And, um, yeah, that's why I think they're great movies. And if I could just mention real quick, my definitive order, and maybe oh, Alex or you guys... I love that. Disagree. You want to rank them? Yeah, I want to rank them real <laughs> Let's quick. Let's do that, yeah. Um, my favorite is two. So I'll go two, one, four, three. I think that's my definitive order. Three's the worst, two's the best. 
one and four are also very good. Alex, I want to hear yours. Sure. Uh, mine actually, is, it goes in order that they came out. Um, but <laughs> three and four are tied. So it's one, two, which are very close. And then three and four, I literally can't choose between the two. I know four is technically a better film, but there's something about three. I think it's just the nostalgia factor and sure. how, you know, growing up in Ohio, I just kind of romanticized Hollywood. So oh. that felt really different and new to me. And I kind of like that they got out of Woodsboro in that one. Um, so that one's tied. So, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes Colin, sense. Colin, you got a ranking? Yeah. You know, here's the big secret. I had not seen two prior to us recording this podcast. It was my first time oh, watching it. Whoa. I had seen the ending at one of those parties that Alex and Joe were throwing. Like, I came over there because I'm pretty sure one day you guys just did a scream marathon, all of them in a row, maybe leading up to number four's release. I cannot remember. Um, that makes I, I fucking loved it. I that's the only one I have seen in theaters for sure. But uh, right. you know, it's, it, number two is like fucking amazing. I might go two, one, three, four. Okay, yeah, that's pretty much okay. mine. Except you have three and four switched for mine. Uh, but yeah, I think two actually does surpass the original, and I, we can get. I'll make a case for that later. But I I'll, obviously I think one is also great, but I think two is um, the perfect like scream movie to me. All right, well, let's talk then. Let's go to Scream One. We're talking 1996. You know, kicked the whole thing off the deconstruction. We're in the era of blockbuster video and renting tapes. You know, and it's That's like right. the timing of this thing was really quite you know perfect same thing with like caller id we didn't have cell phones yet so it really existed in this bubble where it could deconstruct horror films that you would watch from the video store but also kind of the world of who's calling my house and i would actually pick up the phone so what are your general thoughts kind of on scream one alex if you want to jump in there well uh, just it coming in the the late 90s like you were saying it was it was refreshing uh a genre that was just pretty stale by that point i mean you had the big slashers kind of like train wrecks by the end of their franchises uh almost became a parody of themselves yeah like halloween the the curse of michael myers i can go into that oh, halloween's my second favorite franchise even though it's like a choose your own adventure Double but, loomis. Uh, i think yeah that's i do love dr loomis and billy loomis but um i don't know i just i thought it was brilliant um it, it just it it uh yeah i mean i don't really know what else to say that other people haven't said about it um it it brought horror back and now it's weird post scream how a lot of things feel like they're kind of like meta is almost annoying now unless yeah. it's scream to be complete or cabin in the woods i'll give that right. i love well, cabin be, in the woods it can definitely be overdone and i think the strength of scream is that it's like an actual good horror movie in addition yes. to being meta but like so many things now are just like mm. meta for the sake of meta and they like sacrifice the actual quality of the film to make it meta and it's like oh like it's like an in-joke, you get it? But, like, actually, the Scream is just a quality movie first. So I think that's what makes it work. And it's supposed sort of to be... in the way Tarantino can... Oh, sorry, just make, like... He can take influence and make something that stands on its own two feet. That's kind of what Scream did instead of just totally. being completely referential. And you can definitely see, uh, like, uh, a, a Tarantino copycat that's not Tarantino. You can a lot of times see, like, oh, yeah, they're trying to be Tarantino, but they're not. they don't have the skills, you know? Mike Same hit it on the head. Copy, yeah. Well, it's Roger Avery, it's Quentin Tarantino, it's Kevin Williamson. These three people, obviously many, many more, were the blockbuster generation, like you said, Mike. They're stacking tapes, they're looking up at that screen. 
Psycho's plan, Bird's plan, you know, obviously the Psycho reference in this, again, another Loomis, they're watching the Masters and going, what can I do? How can I update it? And uh, I don't know. And they get like a flashy cast, right, Alex? Like you kind of like love everybody who's in this movie. Totally. Yeah, there isn't really a dislikable character in it. I mean, even like, uh, yeah, the killers, like Stu and Billy, they're both like really kind of cool in their own way. Like, I don't know. And um, I I watched this video the other day where they kind of actually broke down um, how Billy and Stu like killed Drew Barrymore's character. I can't remember exactly where I found this. But for some reason, that, like, made those characters slightly more tragic. I don't know why. Just, like, actually thinking about them outside of the Scream mask, like, plotting. Kind of like, uh, I mean, obviously Columbine was only a year later. But, like, it, it, uh, but even though these people, these characters were, like, terrible people, they were still very fun to watch. And I think that has a lot to do with the actors as well. Um, Yeah. As you said at the top, I mean, the characters in this are like amazing and almost the whole the whole franchise. And, you know, Matthew Lillard is awesome. And I also love him in um, 13 Ghosts, where he just chews the entire set. <laughs> sure. Um, but they're really interesting in this. And, yeah, it's like that generation of kids who grew up on horror movies. And, like, they are already copycat killers, of which then Ghostface is then copied later on in this same franchise. So it's already, like, meta as fuck. Yeah. Do we want to do a plot synopsis real quick? Because I, I kind of have a question of, right? So we just said we've got our yeah. two killers. We know that one of their take, uh, Matthew Lillard's is kind of just for the shits and giggles, right? And Billy Loomis, mm-hmm. he's getting revenge on his girlfriend, the beautiful Nev Campbell, because his mother and her, or his her father mother. and her mother had an affair and from there, yeah. there's kind of a lot of familial stuff that's in the seeds of this franchise. Totally. And, I mean, uh, with Billy Loomis, um, obviously, also it gets explained later that it's a little more complicated with, with their mother's death and stuff in the third one. Um, but, yeah, like, I think the, they're great characters, like you said, Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich. Um, Hell, yeah. Riverdale. Yeah, just... Just killing it. And uh, Matthew Lillard, especially, I, I, I love in this movie because he's just, he's like, he's like the comedian, but he's also like this killer. So he's just like, you know, cracking jokes and he stuff. He breaks down the rules of the horror movie, yeah. you know, while also making sure they apply to real life in his weird. Uh, little I right. think it's so interesting that like um, uh, Stu and Randy almost on page seem like they could have been the same character. And I'm so glad that they actually did have these two different like film nerd sort of characters. Yeah, and and they don't like they're not too similar to the point you're like that. This is unnecessary, which right. And I, what I like I about Randy, um, you know, played by uh, Jamie Kennedy, is he's he's not a bad guy. He's just the the movie nerd guy that just likes movies, and he's just a good guy. Um, and it kind of sets a template because in every one of the screen movies, there's someone who has to explain the rules. Like with two, you have to explain the rules of the sequel. Three, you have to explain the rules of the third movie in a trilogy. Well, yeah, in three, your sister can just show up with a tape you have recorded <laughs> that nobody knows about. But yeah, we'll talk right, about that. Right, yeah. But um, because, you know, obviously they killed him off in the second one. Oh, by the way, spoilers for all the screen movies. I guess that's that. true. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> to Alex's point, though, doesn't that, you know, engage you with what he said about it makes you feel smart? When you have a character, these are the rules. You will see everything play out. And then you kind of have even subversions. He talks about Janet Lee. She's lost her virginity. She's, you know, she's going to get killed now. 
obviously one of our killers is obsessed with losing his virginity. <laughs> like there's, yeah, there's like these twists on horror tropes that make you feel yeah. smart. There's the tropes themselves that make you feel smart. Like it's engaging on every level. There's subversion, but there's also delivery. Uh, Alex said you get everything you want. Like there are genuine, like gruesome kills and scares in this too. So you're getting things subverted and you're also getting what you want. And that's all I want to say. Totally. And, you know, I mentioned the movie Cabin in the Woods earlier, and I think that takes a lot of lot from this movie because when you they're talking about the rules and like the virgin, you know, can't die like the you know. And so Cabin in the Woods takes that to the extreme where like, you know, they playing the parts of the virgin and the, the jock and all that. Um, so, yeah, I just I think it's really great. I think one of the things that is like most surprising about this movie that did subvert uh, was the idea of there being two killers. I remember the first time I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like I just didn't, for some reason watching a horror movie, you don't expect there to be two. I don't know right. why. And it wasn't until Scream that I was kind of like, oh, that actually, that makes more sense true. logically, logistically. Yeah, I think that was, we've been, we were talking about, oh yeah, the two killers, but it's like, yeah, that was a kind of a big twist uh, in the first movie. And yeah, it was like such a surprise, but it also makes sense. They can do a lot more planning and preparation and, and no one you're used to a Michael Myers or a Jason. Right. So that, that in itself was brilliant. And yeah. It adds an extra twist. And also if you think about, you know, the ghost face, how he can just kind of seemingly like with Michael Myers, he kind of is like supernatural in that he can appear places where he shouldn't be and stuff. They can kind of explain that because there's two of them running around with the, the ghost face mask. So it makes it seem like he's everywhere at once. And so that's a good way to do that. I think. Um, and the reveal of Billy Loomis after, you know, they throw it out that, oh, he might have done it and you think it's a red herring and then you're convinced that he didn't do it and then it turns out that he actually did do it. I think it's it's great. A trope of the franchise. Guys, is this the only horror slash mystery thing where you have ever seen you're the person, a strong accusation, kind of the rest of the movie, they go, no, I'm not, maybe because of their love interest or in the third one when it's the screenwriter he just kind of gets accused, and then they bury it, and then it's, oh, it is me, too. Um, have you ever seen something like that? Like, it's kind of clever to have you point at the person and then misdirect. Totally. I think I've only second... seen it in Knives Out recently. Oh, so. oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Knives Out. Um, well, we're going to get into the other movies, but I think the second movie does the twist the best, and I think the third, again, does yeah, it the let's worst. Yeah, on it. Yeah, um, well, let me... Just say why I like the second one. The twist of the second one, I think, is genius. Twist that knife. Because Stab obviously me. at the beginning, you're watching and you see Timothy Oliphant. And you're like, well, obviously that guy is going to be the killer, right? Like right at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. And, yeah. He's so scary like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you're wa- if you're watching it for the first time, you think, like, oh, it's not going to be surprising like when he's the killer. But then I did the think that. double extra twist is obviously that mrs loomis billy's mother comes in and that's like a lori metcalf like, what the fuck yeah lori metcalf from uh roseanne um yeah and that was a huge i i think i remember like the first time i even saw that that kind of blew my mind because I, I was like oh timothy oliphant and then i thought you know oh jerry o'connell's probably in on it he's the boyfriend they're gonna like do that and then that's like a big red herring and then they throw in billy loomis's mom i just thought that was so well done Apparently, there were multiple versions of the screenplay. I, I, there was a, one point where Haley was apparently supposed to be the killer. It was supposed to be Haley and Mickey. Oh. And then he mm-hmm. had that brilliant idea to bring in uh, Debbie Salt, you know, Miss Loomis. I, and Which is like, I, I thought it was very interesting, too, how like you don't actually realize that Sydney 
and Debbie Salt actually never run into each other in the movie. They right. just kind of like, kind of like in Halloween, how like Dr. Loomis and uh, Laurie Strode, they are only in one scene together. But you think that so movie, true. when you think of that right. movie, you think of both of them, kind of like Scream 2. They don't interact until that last scene where she sees her. Yeah, she I just think has is, scenes yeah. with Gail where you think, oh, she's just a reporter trying to be like Gail and everything. So I thought that was like a pretty, pretty genius twist. And so that's one reason why I think the second movie is the best movie. Um, I also think, uh, you know, the cast in the first one is great. I think the cast is fucking loaded in the second one. I mean, you got your Timothy Oliphants, your Jerry O'Connell, your Sarah Michelle Gellar. Even in the small parts, you've got like Jacob, Portia de Rossi. When I'm sitting there watching this for the first time, literally hours ago, and I'm going, okay, Timothy Oliphant, obviously the bad guy, so handsome. I love you and everything. You're so funny. You're so perfect. Camera pans over. I go, Buffy's in this thing? I mean, I just <laughs> right. shoot up to the sky, sucker. This thing, made a year later, you can feel what Scream did to the film industry. The fact that oh, people yeah. were like, I gotta be in this fucking thing. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm the second lead on Dawson's Creek. I'll be in the fucking background, dude. I'm, what's his name, Jackson? Pacey? Yeah, and, um, like, I was reading a little bit Pacey. about the casting and stuff of this movie. Like, they were going out to different TV shows and getting a lot of up-and-coming stars from, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar with Buffy. Um, you know, Timothy Oliphant would go Mrs. Smith! Be, you know, and a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I love the cast in this one. And uh, I just think it's like the perfect slasher movie. Um, it hits all the beats. And I think it expands on the first one without like, you know, the first one's still great, um, but it's more self-contained like in the house. This one's kind of a little bit wider with the college and everything. And the final scene, well, first of all, the opening scene, which I love all the opening scenes. The opening scene in the second one is the best in the series by far, I think. Um, you got Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm going to stab you in the air. In the movie theater. Um, and then the ending scene with the stage and everything, love that as well. So, Alex, thoughts on fun, that? Uh, yeah, fun fact about that movie theater. It is actually down the street in Pasadena from the Strode House. What? Oh, no it's on, they're on the same street. Mission, or uh, I can't remember what the name of the street is, but they're, like, you can walk to all of these places from each other. So you can go from like, the stream to the Michael Myers house, to the Christine house, to the house from What We Do in the Shadows. It's fun. Oh, um, shit. So Going that's completely unreal. Exactly, and it's all in well, Pasadena. We could hatch a four-man caper of ghost man murders. <laughs> in the totally. Oh, no. We're cursed. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, what if we're they expand right. the killer roster in the next one? There's like four killers. That would be nuts. Yeah. Well, it's like, how is he in Albuquerque and Sacramento? <laughs> it's a cult. But, uh, I, yeah, the cast of number two is absolutely stacked, but it's interesting that everybody was like up and coming, like, I need to get on this. Meanwhile, Drew Barrymore is like, how about I'm not the lead in the first, you know, right. famously, she's like, make me be the first victim, and that started, which is also a genius. That's a yeah, that started another trend of like big name stars in cameos mm -hmm. in these movies, which is great. Um, but just, yeah, the opening scenes in all these movies, I think um, iconic. I mean, obviously the Drew Barrymore one, um, the movie theater is so good because they're watching the movie stab and you just have all these Heather Graham everywhere. Yeah, Heather Graham playing the Drew Barrymore character. And Robert Rodriguez, I think, he directed those short movies. You're kidding. Yeah. They show that in yeah. Scream oh 4, God. actually, because in Scream 4, they're doing a stab marathon, and they the show the first one. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez in-universe. So mm -hmm. Hold on. Alex, question about number three, then. So when it's revealed sure. that they're shooting Stab 3, and it's yes. about Sidney Prescott, and finally, like, about the whole thing, what are the other two Stab movies about, then? 
Uh, stab one would be a, what, what happened in Woodsboro. It's based off of Gail Weathers' book, The Woodsboro Murders. Uh, oh. And Stab Two is based on what happened in Scream Two. Right. Loosely, they don't really go into actually what happens in Scream Two or Stab Two, rather. But I think we just kind of assume that it's supposed to be about that second batch of murders at uh, Windsor College mm-hmm. in Ohio. Funny thing. Oh my God! Hilarious. Uh, Shout out to Ohio. Yeah. Oh, another fun thing. I, I remember David Warner is also in this movie too as the drama teacher, which I think is so cool. Because um, I know Wes Craven like was always a fan of him and wanted to work with him on Nightmare on Elm Street. He was originally cast as Freddy Krueger, but then he couldn't do it. So then they got uh, Robert England. Um, but now he got to work with him years later. Very small role, but still really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so uh, we have the you know the opening, and then the climax in the with the stage and everything is so great, and she's using all the stage effects to like you know fuck with. Billy's mom, and uh, it's just so, it's just so good. I just love screaming to you so much. It is a little comical at the end, though, when, like, you know, she runs back, she locks the door, and, um, She's like taking the hatchet to all the things and like knocking everything down. And then she takes a break from like knocking stuff down to like wiggle the thunder thing. Just right, to like yeah. freak out. Like, <laughs> gotta scare her. Yeah, just like gotta spook her real quick. And then, yeah, I, I just, I love that moment. I really oh, yeah. do. We, we've been um, discussing over the summer, we did like the, the bunch of the blockbusters and we noticed, you know, there's usually a huge dip in quality when, you, you know, you do sequels and stuff. And with horror movies, especially the tone shift had been significant. You look at Chainsaw Massacre 1 versus 2, it's completely different. But So this is even playing <laughs> yeah. into that with, like, we're, get, we're getting a little goofy because that's what sequels do, right? I love it. Yeah. By the time we get to 3, though, don't you guys think Jamie Kennedy's mm-hmm. a little bit of a liar when he says, you know, horror trilogies? Not many of them happen, but they do. And they're about this, they're about that, they're about that. The examples he gives are Godfather and the Star Wars movies. Those are not horror trilogies. I think those are both movies, yeah, I mean, those are well-known trilogies. I feel like trilogies in horror wasn't really a thing, because generally... Scream! It's it's only Scream. Yeah, usually, if you have a third movie, usually there'll be a fourth and a fifth movie, like with Jason and Freddy and stuff, they have eight or Sharknado. ten movies in the series so trilogies like self-contained trilogies i don't think that is actually a big thing in horror movies no but it should be i kind of like the whole idea of each movie being like an act and closing with act three not that i don't love scream yes. four because i really do but mm. it is its own story right scream the original scream trilogy did end and i always kind of see this as like a separate not universe but just a separate timeline mm-hmm. totally i i i don't see it as separate timelines but i yeah. I just think about, you know, the three, the first three is a self-contained trilogy. And then the fourth, which is exactly what it's about, is a soft reboot, basically, because it's commenting on reboots and remakes in the you know 2000s. Um, and it's basically a kind of a soft reboot of one with some twists. Right. So that, I like that one as well. Which, again, brilliant concept to take the franchise about deconstructing franchises and then deconstruct the soft rebooting of franchises 11 years after the last movie has come out. I mean, right. Which brings up, you know, obviously they're going to be making a fifth one. Um, first one without Wes Craven, obviously. Um, 
And so I'm a little worried about, you know, what that's going to be because they've already done reboots and remakes. So where can you really go with Scream 5? That's what I'm a little concerned about. But it is good to see, you know, Courtney Cox, David Arquette returning, you know, Campbell. So they're at least getting the, the, the core trio back. I think it can only go up uh, based on the television series. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the, Do you the fuck TV with that series, at all, Alex? I don't... No, I, I tried watching it. Uh, I I will say this. I actually liked the redesign of the mask since it, it, it kind of, because you can separate it from Scream. It can be its mm, own right. thing. And it looked cool. I actually think, like, aesthetically speaking, the redesign of the mask is cool. Not that it's as good as the original, but it's its own thing. So, like... It's not tarnishing the Scream brand in my eyes. It's its own weird it's side its own hustle. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I definitely don't consider that in the same universe as the Scream series. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even sure if the series cons- considers itself part of the right. series. Very strangely, you're talking about the mask redesign. That is season one and two follows the mysterious killer Brandon James as he seeks revenge in a very Scream-esque way. Season three... Uh, sort of a reboot of the Scream series is called Scream Resurrection. Now, you pointed out Halloween's done that, okay? We don't need a Scream Resurrection. We don't need subtitles on these things. The only subtitle that would be is Scream the Series, and you tried that. So you're not allowed to reboot that out of nowhere. Screams go one, two, three, four, five, okay? Like, leave it alone. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had totally. an alien resurrection as well. Let's not forget. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's franchise. have them all verse. Halloween versus Scream versus Alien. <laughs> <laughs> right, and right. actually, in the Scream TV series, in the third season, I think they actually do bring back the original mask, which I think is kind of weird. I, yeah, I think that's I, I, tied to Scream for some reason, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I just kind of stopped after like halfway through the first season. Maybe that makes me an asshole. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, but... I think I, I watched season one back when it maybe first came out, but I don't remember too much about the series. Do they ever mention like Sidney Prescott and the Whisper of Murders and all Again, that? Again, that's kind the of the three. So I would say normies, you know, well, I'll ask this big question now. We do this on this podcast, Alex normies you know the general people the people who like the normal stuff like us that's all we are we just consume pop culture but is scream one of those things that the general normies would know i guess if they're making a series in a five i would argue hell yeah people know about scream right i think so i mean four came out in 2011 um i don't know if it was a big hit or not but i i thought it was really good when it came out do you think four is a lot of maybe the only Scream movie people have seen? I don't think so. I think they're pretty popular on, on streaming and DVD and whatnot. And I think even if you're younger and you saw Scream 4, you might want to go back and rewatch the old ones and do a whole marathon. I, I definitely would recommend watching all four. I watched all four in the last two days, and it's, it's very enjoyable. Hell yeah. Yeah, I typically watch the Scream series, uh, probably, or the franchise, rather, uh, at least once a year. I've already done it twice this year, just because Damn. it's my favorite series. No, I'm not joking. Like, it's my favorite series to watch with someone who's never seen it before, mm. because I, I usually also pause before the reveal of who the killer is, and I try to see, like, can you guess who it is? I'm almost certain I might have done that with one of you guys back in Ohio, or probably. some of our theater friends. I'm probably not sure. for three. That would have been the first time I saw it was at a party you guys threw about. Yeah, and like that, I just I love doing that. I don't know why. I think it's it's just the most fun to watch with someone who's never seen it. 
Totally. So, so anytime someone's like, "Hey, like, what? Let's watch a horror movie," and I ask if they've watched Scream, and I make sure that I am usually there just to see, just to log their reaction in my memory. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's get into. I want to talk about the third one a little bit, if we can. Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood. Moving to Hollywood. Do you want to talk um, about the Weinstein of it all? Jacob goes to Hollywood. Well, that's <laughs> well, yeah, a bad a guy producer having sex with his actresses. Ugh, right. Stab, so obviously, um, oh, yeah. you know, obviously, oh. these movies were produced by Miramax, which is owned by, which was was owned by you know Harvey and Bob Weinstein, notable back. shithead. <laughs> big, but big Hollywood players in the nineties, like very yeah, important yeah. To, to Hollywood. I mean, they the have 90s. their name on the fucking Lord of the Rings, for God's sake. I mean, yeah, fuck, you know, um, yeah. They so, also kind of helped, you know, Tarantino's career as Tarantino, well. Like he's yeah, Kevin Smith. Yep. So the yeah, horrible humans. Anyway, subplot. Yeah. yeah, big subplot of this third movie, right? Is the backstory of Sydney's mom. She goes to Hollywood to try to become an actress. And then obviously, you know, there's the producers are like, oh, you're going to have to do some stuff. So it, it, it's a little awkward now looking back at it because, you know, obviously Miramax produced these movies and then they're just about what, you know, Harvey was really doing bad guy stuff. So it's kind of awkward to watch at this point. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um yeah, it's interesting. I think the thing that makes me so angry is that, like, they saw the movie, and part of him is probably laughing, like, oh, I got away with it. You're right. You know, right. I didn't get my throat slit like Lance Hendrickson, unfortunately. Right. It was kind of just like, that's how it was in the 90s. Nothing we can do about it. So, yeah, that's good to see, you know, things have changed now. So, that's yeah, definitely Yeah, thank good God. Thing. Yeah, I'd like to see some sort of, like, revenge in the new one for that plot. I mean, there's already, I mean, the character's already dead, so there's really not much you can do about that. Right. Um, sorry. But yeah, tying so into that, I mean, like, again, picking apart kind of the the pieces that construct these movies and even the Hollywood system itself, like, you know, putting that in there, right? It's kind of yeah. a part I mean, of the DNA. It's something that we should talk about because it is a big part of Hollywood, and so it's something that we have to recognize for sure. And sometimes horror movies are a way to kind of bring up conversations like at night of the living dead and things like that you know you can hide social issues in horror movies you know to a degree and i you know definitely. it's kind of a way to put a lens on it a, a cinematic lens i guess yeah definitely and so the third one obviously um it's taking place on the set of um stab three so mm-hmm. to me it's a lot like another west craven movie west craven's new nightmare oh uh, yeah which is, you know, it takes place on the set of a, a Freddy Krueger movie where the um, main actress from the Friday the 13th, you know, original is being, you know, Heather. Is, is playing herself as the actress, basically, and being stalked by Freddy. Um, so this one is similar where they're, they're you know, shooting Stab 3 um, and the cast is being you know, killed one at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, Jacob, what if Nev Campbell had revealed halfway through this movie she was having nightmares and being tormented by a man with a burnt face? Right. Yeah, the crossover I mean, event of the season. <laughs> That'd be crazy. It's interesting. I mean, New Nightmare came out in 94, so that was a couple years before the first screen movie. That's what got him um, the job. Yeah. So and it was, in his own way, it was very meta. So it kind of almost New Nightmare was, was you know, what led to Scream in a way, in a kind of direct way. So. A um, couple interesting things about three that I wanted to mention. Uh, number one, there, I totally forgot this, but there's a, a Jay and Silent Bob cameo. Yes, of course. 
<laughs> they were so huge this, back then. Well, yeah, as big as they probably had ever been. And there's also, I'm right. sure it's the next thing you're going to say, Carrie Fisher, the strangest right. yep. moment Carrie of Fisher. all time. The GOAT. <laughs> and, well, what's great about it is Carrie Fisher was a well-known, like, script doctor in the 90s and stuff where she would, like, actually fix people's scripts and, like, you know, she, like, she was a writer. So people, a lot of people don't know that. They just see her as an actress, Princess Leia or whatever. But she's actually, she did a lot of stuff in Hollywood. And um, she's kind of playing that old Hollywood role where she's working for the studio and stuff. Great cameo. That was one of my favorite parts of this whole movie, I think. Yeah. And then she claims like she was so close to getting the part that Carrie Fisher got. Like, right. Because she yeah, didn't sleep with George there. Lucas. I just, again, that's so fucking so brilliant. And Parker Posey, I, 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 we haven't brought her up yet. I actually, I fucking love Parker Posey in Scream 3. I feel like her yeah. and Courtney Cox, they just seem like they had the most fucking fun in that movie. Alex, the meta never jumps the shark for you when we're being introduced to characters playing characters that we know. That's never too much for you. Yeah. No, no, I love that. I absolutely adore yeah. that. He pulls it <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's great as well. And it's funny, in like in the first stab movie you have um I think Tori Spelling as playing the Nev Campbell role, and then you have Luke Wilson as Billy Loomis. Um, but then this is obviously the third one where they're talking about, you know, oh, the series is jumping the shark now. It's the third one. we got a new director, a new cast, and they cast this unknown actress. out of. They have this competition to who's going to play Sidney Prescott. And so they get this unknown actress. Emily Mortimer. Emily yeah. Mortimer. Yeah. So a lot of, um, you know, actors that would go on to do bigger things in this movie for sure. Um, and also, obviously, you have Leo Schreiber as uh, Cotton Weird. We haven't mentioned that. He's, I love him in two. Like, he has the biggest the secret two, weapon sure. of this franchise. Yeah. To just be shown in the background of the first one. To Again, I didn't see the second one, so I had just known that, okay, opening scene, he dies in the third. I bet he's just kind of a runner. Then in the second one, I'm like, wait, is he a character? And he's like yeah, he's the good part. guy of this whole thing? I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, he, yeah, kinda, I was, he gets redemption in the second one. I um, loved Cotton Weary. I was really bummed when he, like, died. I was like, I mean, I knew, he, he, if you see an, a character in the opening scene, you know they're toast. So, like, right. if Screen 5 opens with, you know, Courtney Cox or David Arquette or Nev Campbell, Damn. they're pretty much gone. Oh, unless right. they subvert that finger. I don't mm. know. But, but goddammit, yeah, Lee Schreiber is fucking awesome in that movie. In that whole yeah, series. And yeah, that's that's one reason why I don't like the third one as much. It's my least favorite. I like all the movies. I just want to say that. So I don't think it's a bad movie, but it's my least favorite of the four. And one reason is I don't like the opening scene as much. Um, it's not as, to me, memorable as the first two. It's kind of predictable. Like, you know, as soon as they show him, like, oh, he's going to die at the end, probably. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see kind of where he goes from the second one. He's become like a talk show host in L.A., 100% cotton. <laughs> 100% um, cotton. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then another reason why I don't like the third one as much is I think the the ending twist reveal is a little bit far-fetched for me. Yeah, it's weak. Um, yeah. Let's get back on our plot watch. I've got my questions again. We skipped over two. So That's right. it's Billy Loomis's mother. She's doing it to get revenge because of what happened in the first one. What is Timothy Oliphant's connection to her? He's Separate just, goals? Um, he's like a film nerd and he's like a copycat wannabe Billy Loomis. Guy. He just he wants just... to be a killer as well. 
Yeah, and apparently she had some throwaway line, like she found him on some like serial killer classified sort of like they were just it was like beginning of the internet. Exactly. How are you? Do you like to kill too? Hilarious. Exactly. Well, he practically did all of like the actual killing aside from maybe Randy in the second one, or at least that's like the theory. um, Right. Where she, uh, where she was kind of like the brains, kind of like in Scream 1, where mm. Billy was the the brains in Scream 1, and he actually made most of the phone calls except for the time when he was in jail. Um, that was actually the only time where, like, Ghostface kind of sounded kind of like Matthew Lillard's character um, when he called Sydney when she was at... Um, Tatum's house. So I know we're jumping a lot around a lot. I just forgot yeah, yeah, to mention fine. that as well. No, 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 I want this clarity. So, and then to jump back to three, Scott yeah. Thompson, the screenwriter, he is the half brother of Sydney. It's sort of revealed through these yeah, terrible so the, means um, in Hollywood. Well, one thing I do like, so obviously they talk about in the third one, you have to expand on some kind of backstory that we didn't know before. So they, that's how they kind of explain the whole Maureen Prescott backstory thing, which if you think about it, doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's okay. Cause it's the third movie in a trilogy and that's how but it is. They give the Christoph Waltz Jacob. He's the architect of all your pain. You know, he was yes. the one who took the footage, who pushed Billy Loomis sort of on the path to the right. killings and stuff. Right. So Do you guys like I... the magic voice recorder that he has though? That's a little brutal for me. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, one thing I don't like is that the whole, yeah, he was behind everything all along. I mean, that's a trope that's done a million times before. So I guess they're kind of subverting it, but I don't really like it too much. And then, like you're saying, with the voice changer, I get that they have the, they can have some people's voices, but how do you, like, you have to have recordings of people's voices for that technology to work. So I don't know how they can just randomly have, like, Sydney's voice or, or whatever. Uh, a willing suspension. Maybe he heard her voice on like the like an interview on TV or something like yeah. that. Maybe she did do sixty minutes two with Cotton after Scream two or whatever. Um, one thing I think is weird though about that is um, it kind of kneecaps Scream two because he had nothing to do with that plot. He pretty much only set up Billy and Stu, right? And then like that's kind but of then like Billy I, I led to, to Mrs. Loomis getting revenge so i guess it kind of yeah it it, that kind of undoes it but apparently there is a draft aaron Kruger wrote that um emily mortimer's character was also supposed to be a killer as well Mm. i buy Um, that she's so weird the whole movie alex Hmm. she i I honestly still think she should have been uh just because like there's a lot of like magic ghosts moments where like it doesn't make sense how scott foley can like do all of this stuff and be questioned for you know, he was actually questioned for being a killer at one point in the movie, like kind of like they did in Scream 1 with Billy. But like, he can't really get around that much that quickly. Like, I, it just, it, I feel like it's just right. too much for one person to handle that giant Yeah, he needed plan. a partner. And every other Scream movie is, has at least two people are the killers, if you think about yeah. it. So Scream 3, yeah, I don't love the, oh, you have a secret half-brother that you didn't know about that's evil. Um, yeah. I, I actually thought of another goofy part is like, you know, we we live in Hollywood. We know how hard it is to make it. How in the fuck did this guy right, plan yeah. a, a, <laughs> like a series of murders and also somehow work his way up the chain to before 30 exactly. years old, become a director oh. of a horror franchise? Yeah, that's that's very what I was about. Yeah. yeah. And not like, only that, like, he became that dude, the... like, 
at that point, like you shouldn't be bitter about anything. Like you <laughs> just, just fucking made it, dude. Like stuff. <laughs> yeah, literally, just do that. You're to become a successful. Why you got a murder? Yeah, you're, you're of the killing it in the box series. office. Yeah. <laughs> so like at that point, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing because you you made it, man. <laughs> yeah, you fucking did it, dude. Oh. Don't throw it all away yeah. just to kill some people. Mike, uh, I worry that we did not get your rankings. How do you feel about three? And I want to hear. I want to hear your rankings for all these screamies. Um, I think I've just watched it more than two and four. I've only seen once, and and so my ranking it goes one, three, two, four because I like running around on the back lot. I like how kind of silly it is, um, yeah. and I like that it it really leans into that. And now the killer's going to get up after we shot him, and you know, right. he of course he fucking does, you know. It's kind of surprising that, you know, and we haven't talked about this aspect of it all yet, but the scary movie, the original title, of course, and the fact that there's yeah. a scary movie parody, there's a Shriek I Know What You Did last Friday the 13th, which is also parody. Mike, how was there never a scary movie where they're running around the back lot shooting a scary movie that's a parody of Scream 3? Like, that would just be perfect. I think because that's they don't have the budget creative. to get a back lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that has like some sort of like levels of creativity, and I really don't feel like those are in the scary movie franchise <laughs> yeah, after the, the first one. Yeah, yeah, I actually I despise the scary movies, uh, specifically the first one, because I feel like it fucking ruined Scream for a lot of people. In fact, David Arquette mm. made sure he was sheriff by Scream Four. Because he's like, people still call me doofy. Like, can we work uh, that in so like I can actually be something kind of respected? So they right. actually that was like that. The reason why he became sheriff in the third in the fourth one is because like, because fucking scary movie kind of ruined the Scream franchise. Mm. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing with the scary movie kind of parody films is they usually just reach at the lowest hanging fruit. It's like pop culture references, and then a month after they come out, they're completely dated. Whereas something like the Scream franchise can you know withstand a lot longer because it, it's timeless and it's of quality and you know it's not just you know low-hanging fruit you say that mike's uh, scary movie one the highest grossing movie directed by an african-american director for years like pretty much until black panther i believe like it was because oh, of the wayans nice. brothers connection uh well, i don't know if you I guys have an any asshole. scary movie memories i got some bad ones attached to one and two my brother and dad love blue humor so much it used to embarrass me so much as a kid but they're cackling and laughing when the guy ejaculates on a ferris to the ceiling in the first one or the opener of number two where james wood is doing an exorcism but really he's taking a big shit in the toilet I just remember them laughing and laughing and laughing so much that I always feel like so embarrassed of the scary movie franchise. And kind of, maybe that's where the scream I kind of walk away from. It's not the movies. Maybe I just got bad feelings. Yeah, I never liked those uh, parody, like, not only scary movie, but all the other ones, you know, date epic movie and all the movies they did after that. Like, totally lowbrow humor. Like, and I mean, not my thing at all, but. Um, Interesting you know. that they got the original title, the working title of the Scream franchise, though being scary yeah. movie. And what's totally. what's what's slightly more generic than that? Scream. Okay, let's go. Uh, but but it's kind of perfect. Are, it I, is. Yeah. I, Alex, do you wish we were in a world where it was called Scary Movie over Scream? Uh, no, actually, I love Scream. I lo- I don't know why. Yeah, I I, I, I think it's just because like I've existed in this world for so long, seeing that poster, that font, that I can't yeah. really see it any other way. I mean, I'm sure if it were the inverse, I would be saying the inverse. You know, like 
So, I think it's great. And it's yeah. called Scream. And then the in-movie uh, movie is called Stab. So they're both once single-syllable S-word. So I like that connection as well. And it really it's, feels like that's the Asylum version direct-to-video. Of course. Uh, is I'm there sorry. a story behind the painting-inspired mask? Uh, I know how they got the mask for the movie, but I don't know how they designed the mask. Uh, apparently, they found the mask while on a location scout. It was just hanging on somebody's uh, like uh, bed, I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. And the location manager snapped a picture, brought it back to Wes, and Wes loved it. They were trying to acquire the rights. I think it was like Fun Time Limited or something. Wow. And it's they like were having pe- trouble. Peanut-eyed ghost or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And then so like they actually had like K and B like to try to design a few different masks, and they all looked weird, like almost too animalistic. They weren't. They were just a little too much. Um, and then somehow I think like pretty soon after they like or before they started shooting, they somehow got the rights to use the peanut-eyed ghost face mask. Yeah. Father Death or whatever it's called. And I think... I think cool. it's... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's interesting. I mean, if you're thinking about iconic horror movie villains, you've got Freddy, you've got Jason, you've got Michael Myers. Ghostface is kind of the most recent and only one that's happened since the 90s. Um, if you really think about it, like, I can't think of any new, like, slasher icons that have come out in the last 20 years. Maybe Alex, you have. Uh, I'm Art the Clown has gotten really popular um, from the Terrifier it, series. Terrifier. Oh, There's a lot of costumes I that I saw that. whenever I went to. It's it's good. It's 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 like sort of like it's. Uh, I I would just say that's probably the the most popular uh, franchisable character as of now. But okay. one more point about that. Sorry, I don't want mm-hmm. to interrupt too much. Um, I think it's interesting that like it's like we have Freddy Krueger, you have Michael Myers, you have Jason Voorhees, and you have Ghostface that encompasses Ghost like face. seven different people. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not person, just one. Yeah. Just, yeah. I just think that's the, really cool. It does have the voice. They all use the same like voice change. Hey, get over here. I think that's what's fun about like the design of the the mask too. Is like yeah, it looks like just a retail product, and that's kind of what makes it scary. It's like anybody could buy it and like they they did in in the introduction is like just a bunch of ghost face masks in the movie theater it's like yeah right. that that is scary that it's just anybody in the real world could do this and not just a jason Voorhees. yeah it's way more realistic if you think about it of michael myers coming back movie after movie when he's supposed to be dead or, or jason you know so to have it to be different people copycatting each other it, it makes a lot more sense or like we said earlier, more than one location at the same time. Like it kind of explains that horror movie logic in a very clever and, and simple way, very direct. Yeah. We also had iconic weapons, of course, with Wes Craven's own with Freddy. We've got the gloves. We've got uh, the butcher knife for Michael. The but machete. the knife, I mean, the, the just, I, I want to say stab because that's what the movies are the, called. But just the, the Bowie stabbing, knife, oh, it's a, I guess it is. Yeah, just the sharp little end. It's fucking iconic. You know, there's never anything put to it, but you just believe that it really could cut through a door and like the other insane things that it does just because it looks fucking sharp. Yeah, the violence of how they kind of brandish it and it just always looks sharp and deadly and they just stab you with it. Yeah, it's great. That actually reminds me of like the in the first one where he wipes the blood off. That's like such an iconic moment. But the only reason they did that was because it was a continuity issue where... They had blood in the scene before, and then the blood uh, was completely gone when they shot the next day. And they're like, oh, shit, like, what do we do? 
So they're just like, we'll get an insert of skeet just wiping the blood off. Sure. Also, another really interesting thing <laughs> about um, in uh, in uh, Scream 1 and 2 is the fact that uh, you can kind of tell which killer it is based on how they're holding the knife. Oh. Now, um, Matthew Lillard, whenever he goes to stab, he usually he puts up both hands and he kind of holds it kind of awkwardly and weird. And um, whenever it's um, Skeet, he's always using one hand. I always just thought that was interesting that there is attention to detail. That That's a directorial choice is what you're saying? That is what I understand. That's what I've heard. That is awesome. Um, and it makes sense. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Wes Craven does have a, a pretty, he did have a pretty great attention to detail. Yeah. And um, like you said earlier, with the voice where you can kind of tell when it's actually Stu doing the voice, that's a detail that I never noticed because obviously you have the same person doing the voice for all the different people. Roger Jackson, mm-hmm. who is the, the voice of Ghostface. Um, so I wonder if they even literally was like, okay, this one, you're reading the line as Stu, so you gotta, gotta do uh, more Matthew Lillard voice. I wonder if that's even, I bet they like even went in that kind of detail when they were recording the lines. I guess that's what's fun about these movies is those layers, you know, because, you know, he's such a genius and kind of, um, you know, well-seasoned in the genre and being able to layer those tropes and then put those small details like one-handed versus two-handed, you know, holding the knife. That's probably a conscious decision, I would believe. And like the fact that you can kind of dissect these movies and discover more every time you watch them also adds to their longevity. Even if some, you know, are weaker than others, they're all still pretty good. Um, so basically now I just want to talk about Scream 4, the one we haven't talked about as much. I I don't know what you're talking about. I I think there's just the three. (laughs) I heard we all Scream 4 ice cream. (laughs) No, I think Scream 4, when it came out, 2011, was unappreciated. Uh, you know, people see the four and they think, oh, it's a a fourth movie in a horror franchise. That's not going to be any good. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really like it. I think it's better than three. No offense to three, but... Um, hey, I fuck think it you. really holds its own. Yeah, I like it. I like your take. I'm gonna drop my nuclear one here and just cut to the ending and say this is a cool movie with cool takes and opinions. I think it would only work if Emma Roberts gets away with it at the end. The fact that it sort of undercuts mm. it all is where I'm like, ah, you were so close to maybe even being like the best movie ever made. <laughs> but she does almost get away with it, and then they have that whole scene in the the hospital, which is like the so I think that's a nice twist. Alex. I I really wished I, I'm kind of in Colin's uh, team on this one here. Uh, if she had gotten away with it, and they actually did make the decision to kill off Nev Campbell, the next movie could be sort of like a I know what you did last summer sort of thing, where somebody Shit. knows and they're fucking with Emma Roberts' character. Totally. And Dewey, Dewey and Gale, mm. they're still alive. They're still like going around or whatever. And I feel like Kevin Williamson would be. Wit, like quick-witted enough to make that work and i think that'd be really fucking cool exactly which like that would have been really cool and like i don't know but like you know just you, you can't kill those characters kill just like they did dewey was supposed to die in the first two movies he was supposed to oh, die yeah. in scream one i don't know if you knew that colin he was supposed to die in scream one but uh test audiences loved him so much that they of actually course. inserted the shot that well, they I picked up that's another running joke is that 
Dewey just gets owned in like every movie <laughs> by the ghost. <laughs> by yeah, and he's walking with the cane. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Scream Two, he was supposed to die by that, and they also threw that shot in. Like they got that just in case in the screenplay, mm-hmm. he died in both because uh, they initially wanted uh, Patrick. Warburton? What's his name? He's in Scream 3. He's in Warburton. 3. Patrick He's the Warburton. bodyguard, yeah. They wanted him, that type of guy, specifically him, to play Dewey because he was supposed to be sort of like a kind of dumb macho character. And then right. Arquette comes in and reads it the way he does. And they're like, oh, this works. I don't know. Yeah, I, was, I mean... I love Dewey. Dewey's kind of like my favorite character in the whole series. Dude, Sheriff. he was mine too. Yeah, Sheriff now. I was actually <laughs> Deputy Dewey for Halloween when I was a child. Um, wow. and uh, yeah, but it, it was traumatic for everyone because everyone thought I was Hitler because uh, oh, no. I had the little mustache. <laughs> oh, no. So like, yeah, it was, uh, so I had to like explain like, no, I'm deputy doing <laughs> like, so bang, I, bang, I bang. That. <laughs> <You ever seen laughs> yeah. Scream, and then it's a whole thing. And then by that time, yeah. you know, I'm just here for candy. Like, please. Yeah. Just give me the candy. I don't <laughs> yeah. I want anything else. Anyway, so back to yeah. scream wow. four. Sorry. Keep but interrupting. Yes, scream four. I just want to make the case for why it's underappreciated. People, I think, kind of had preconceptions. Oh, it's a fourth movie. It's not going to be any good. But the whole point of it is it's, it's kind of about these these soft reboots that were happening a lot, especially in the mid-2000s, 2000, 2010s, of these iconic franchises kind of mm-hmm. being remade. Um, you think about, like, The Thing, a million others. But, um, Texas Chainsaw got remade with Jessica Biel. I mean, there, there was a ton of them going on. Yeah. Uh, even, you know... Um, Halloween with the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Yeah. So um, I like that it kind of, kind of, you know, skewers the whole soft reboot. Um, And you got a new cast. I mean, you got Emma Roberts, who was in a lot of stuff at the time with like uh, American Horror Story and everything. And you got Hayden Pantier, who's very active in this movie. I love her. Mm -hmm. Kirby's a great character. Um, Yeah. yeah. She's like a great, great, unique original replacement for a Randy Meeks type character. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because she's a, a, a movie fan, and then you also have Charlie, played by uh, one of the Culkin brothers. Whichever um, Culkin it is. But that's just a kid <laughs> yeah. where I just yell out and go, Kirby is going to have sex with you. She wants to be your girlfriend. Why are you doing this? Just stop. What I would go to Emma Roberts and be like, hey, I got to back out of this. Yeah, it's kind of right. like uh, with Scott Foley in Scream 3. Like, you're doing great, man. Like, why are you yeah. killing? Like, But I guess the reveal is he thought he was going to get with Emma Roberts at the end. So he's like, you know. That's I not would, better than Aiden Pantier, man. No, no, I would agree with that for yeah. sure. I just They're checked both great. It's, um, it's Stalkin Calkin. Is, uh, <laughs> Stalkin Calkin. Stalkin Calkin, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the twist is great because um, – you, you don't see it coming. I mean, Emma Roberts, the, the Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell character of this movie, ending up being the ultimate villain. Like, that's such a great twist. Can we say, we're talking about the meta nature of it. The read I have on this movie is when you're a dumb film person who's young and you're like, man, Wes Craven and John Carpenter got famous for making a movie for a hundred thousand dollars and now they're millionaires and they have this thing that they've always held on to and it's theirs that's so unfair i'm a young person and i deserve that thing that they have and you know what i am going to take that thing that i have and that's emma roberts the entire movie you don't deserve to be the famous prescott i'm not going to live in your shadow i want what you have right and i also think about you know the flat flashback to uh scream two where timothy oliphant he's got this whole planned out um 
yeah, the trial is going to be great. I'm going to blame it on the movies and stuff. <laughs> That's kind of what Emma Roberts is doing now. It's so kind of continuation good. of that. Yeah. No, I love that. As, like as Colin's saying too, like I want what you have. I'm not going to live in your shadow. That is the nature of doing a soft reboot. It's like, yeah, you know, Friday the 13th was cool in the 70s and 80s, but like it's not as fucking cool as two. You're never going to be Friday Scream. 13. You'll never be Scream, Mike. You'll right. never be this original awesome thing. Right. But I deserve no. it. If I make Scream Resurrection, I deserve it. You don't. No, no way. Jill Roberts will never be Sidney Prescott. Which I was wondering, her name is Jill Roberts in the movie, played by Emma Roberts. So I wonder if there was a reason for making her last name the same. Is she the Dread Pirate Roberts, maybe? Or is this a different (laughs) franchise? Could be. It's just easier Um, on the screenwriter. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I think they just didn't have a a name originally. I don't know. I think it was just, (laughs) ah, I don't know. I can see that. But a lot of great, um, you know, cast cameos in this. You got, you know, Anthony Anderson, um... The other guy, the other cop, Adam Brody. His name, Adam Brody. Yeah. I think one of those two or both of them could potentially live, maybe for Scream Four. I know you can get stabbed in the head. Some people lived getting shot in the head. Like I don't know. You didn't see what happened to Brody. Right. We also have Deputy Trudy, who's great. She's right. fun. She is. She's good. like the, She's jealous of Courtney Cox the whole time. And yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, with the cop, the cops in the car conversation is really funny. Um, and then I do think. You know, Scream 4 is where they kind of really go silly with the, like, people, like, making jokes as they're dying and stuff with Anthony Anderson, like, fuck Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and then, like, the, the Charlie, you know, at the end with, with um, Charlie and, and Jill is, like, kind of the the Billy Loomis and Stu, where Charlie's the Stu and he gets basically played and and, and he's like, in the heart, that's, that's not how we planned it. Like, I love that line. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. We were talking openers before. Alex, how does this rank on your openers with the meta, meta, meta? Okay, now we're in right. it. Okay, so I, I love it, um, but I would say uh, it's probably one is the best, two is the second best, <laughs> then four, then three. So I actually definitively yeah. will say four is better than – well, yeah, I'll say it's better because I didn't see it you coming so many times. I didn't want Cotton to die. That's that's partially it. But um, I think uh, it, it's funny. But I remember when I was in the theater, I was kind of like when the real murder happened, um, it kind of like was undercut by the hyperviolence of the first two like false starts. So it didn't really it wasn't as impactful. However, it was very funny and it was very clever. Um, so I'll yeah, I'll give it a number three. I'll give it number three. Yeah, for me, I would place it the same. Um, I think the cotton weary one is the worst one to me. Like I, I liked it, but it's like almost too predictable. There wasn't like a twist in the beginning. This one, yeah, there's no there's like, twist. Yeah. This one, there's like three different twists, but I also, also kind of like, by the time they got to the real ones, I was like, is this still like the stab movie or are we actually <laughs> in the movie now? Um, and it's just funny how they, they tried to get like as many like cameos from like actresses. Like you got, um, great Ron casting Mars, Kristen Bell, you got Anna Paquin and stuff. It's, Funny to see those cameos for sure. Um, but then we get into the movie and um, we're back in Woodsboro following Sidney Prescott's cousin, played by Emma Roberts. Um, yeah. yeah. And one big I think- beef I have with this goddamn movie is that they don't play Nick Cave's Red Right Hand, and I don't know mm. why. That is a travesty. That's they a subversion. Just put it over the credits, you dummies. Or anywhere. Yeah, that's a mistake. 
um, for sure. But yeah. then, oh, and then you have Alison Brie as the publicist who gets a really crazy thing. A great murder. I always uh, forget she's in this movie. Every single time yeah. I, st- I start the movie, she shows up. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot Alison Brie's in this goddamn movie. Right. Um, yeah. Been and following so, good casting trends, yeah. Yeah, we have um, you know Sydney Prescott returning to her hometown. She's written a book. She's going on a press tour. Um, you have uh, oh, another interesting angle that I want to mention real quick is Courtney Cox and David Arquette obviously got married in real life and then got divorced basically like a year after this movie came out. So I think the filming of this would have been really interesting because it's like probably they might not have been getting along that well at this point. So very interesting to see them married in the movie. They were divorced by that point, if I'm not mistaken. Were they? Yes, they I did. They had got just divorced, divorced in 2012, right. and this came out in 2011. I th- well, maybe they got officially divorced in 2012, but I know they separated, separated before the movie, even before they shot, because I remember that was a big thing, like on the screen, like on uh, IMDb back when they had message boards. Like, do you think they're gonna like still be married uh, in the movie? Yeah. Like, I was like very much involved in that. Um, so <laughs> they were split up, uh, and I wow. wonder if they're gonna play with that more in Scream Five, whether or not Dewey and Gale are gonna be together or not. I hope to God they are. Because that's one of these couples, these movie couples that I just need to fuck. They need to die together. Right. Yeah. We well, were right? At least. At least we were freed of Courtney Cox's uh, terrible haircut from the third one, at oh, least, yeah. when she comes the over bangs. to four. What are you but talking about? I'm, Those are That's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. The greatest look of all time. But I'm kind of nervous now, Alex. You have me thinking in my head that maybe the fifth one will open with, like, the original cast... And it's like a real Scream movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's so meta. It's the most meta out of all of them. There's the cast of Scream. We're watching them in a new thing. And then maybe they'll all die together. I don't think it'll go that meta. Like, having like the Scream. Like, you're saying, like, you know, uh, all of them it actually breaches the wall. Movie. Yeah, yeah I don't all, think do we're, we're, we're no, breaking I'm, it, man. They could go New Nightmare and have. Um, it being Nev Campbell and you know Courtney Cox and David Arquette that we're following, and they're playing their roles in the screen. I think that would be the It'd most be crazy that you could go. Following David Arquette to like a wrestling ring or whatever, because <laughs> he's like back into ready to rumble wrestling or yeah, yeah. I'm he's, into it. I love him. Strange guy. I love him to death. He's very weird in all these movies in a very lovable way, as we mentioned. And now he's got stuff where it's like he does films called like You Can't Kill David Arquette. It's like oh man, <laughs> because you can't. Kevin Williamson tried three times and he can't. <laughs> That's right. You just get stabbed. I wonder if the fifth way. time will be the charm um, for Scream, though. I mean, did we have any predictions about Scream 5 before we get on to final thoughts here? Yeah, what are, we, what are you question. hoping for, Alex? I'm hoping Samara Weaving's in it because I know it's the people who directed and wrote Ready or Not. And yes. she's kind of become oh, a. Oh, she is cool. the newest Scream Queen. Hell yes. Um, mm-hmm. And she's yeah, fucking awesome. I love awesome. Ready or Not. I saw that on yeah. Airplane, actually. And I was like, oh, this is like one of the best movies I've seen in, in like a year. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for those guys to, to be doing this movie. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, they haven't signed on Marco Beltrami yet. I'm hoping he comes back. I'm hoping everyone that they can get to come back comes back. Um, as far as the story's concerned, I don't know. I, 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 I don't really have any predictions. I can't really think of what else they could have done. No expectations Um, that you want either. No, I, I just, I, I, I'm expecting someone in the core cast to die. It's probably going to be Nev Campbell. I'm guessing, um, just because like they kind of had to convince her to come back. Mm. Um, 
I also think they should just end it. Scream 5 should be the last one if they're going to do this. Right. Um, because, like, you, you have the chance of... Um, you run the risk of making it go stale. It hasn't gone stale yet. Scream 4 is still great. So, fingers yeah. crossed, this lives up to those. Well, I agree with you, Alex. I mean, I thought it should have ended after 4, and for a long time it did, but obviously now they're bringing it back. I was a little apprehensive when I first learned about it because, obviously first one without Wes Craven, he's mm-hmm. kind of what ties it all together. But I know it's in good hands with the, the Ready or Not directors, so I appreciate that. And Kevin Williamson is writing the script. Um, you know, the, the core cast members are coming back. I kind of think, uh, like you, maybe the the core three are not going to be, like, main characters in this movie, but more of, like, cameo roles. And I could see one or more of them dying. Um, but I don't know where they go from here because they already did the reboot thing with four. So I'm really curious to see where they go with five. That's kind of my question, Jacob. So the Randy of it all, what is the meta take on the state of horror, Alex? Do they commentate on sort of the get out era with social issues mixed into horror that we talked about a bit ago? Prestige, you know, the, the, um, midsummer, you know, we're getting, we're getting, very tailor-made, interesting horror movies right now. So does Scream 5 sure. do that? I'm not sure. That's a really good question because of the nature of where horror films are right now. Um, between like A24 and mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the, what the other? Blumhouse. Really Blumhouse. Um, there's a lot yeah. of these anxiety horror movies um, right. and social commentary movies. And Scream has always had a, a uh, very, well, it's not so subtle social commentary. I don't really know how, what they're going to comment on, though, because there's so much shit they can talk about right now. But the thing about Scream that's go- that is so different from all of these um, modern horror movies, like The Witch or Midsummer, Hereditary, is that like these are more f- like they're more fun, quote unquote fun. These are like Definitely. kind of they're more of like a levity uh, that we have totally. in horror because that really of Scream, isn't popular right say. now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I would say because of Scream. um, And that really isn't too popular right now. Well, no, that's not true because Happy Death Day is killing at the box office. Hell yes. Um, Ready or Not has been doing well. So I still think there is a place for Scream in horror right now. Whether or not it's going to have like the staying power or social relevance of, say, Get Out or The Witch or Midsummer, I don't know. That's a really interesting point, though. Yeah, with the rise of these prestige, very serious horror movies like Hereditary, uh, The Witch, and all that, um, where does Scream really fit in? But uh, another thing I was thinking is uh, between, you know, 4 and now, we've kind of seen the rise and fall of the whole found footage era of horror. And they, they it's amazing it they dodged bit. it. Yeah, they kind of touch on it a little bit in 4, but it's not like a big a focus. Yeah, but we've, I mean, Blumhouse is obviously a big part of that too with paranormal activity and everything. Um, so I wonder if maybe they go that route or something. A yeah, found I mean, I look at, you know, found footage, something they haven't tackled. I kind of see three things. It's that, it's that either kind of specific, you know, the Vavitch horror route, you know, that takes itself very seriously, or you do the found footage thing. And then we also kind of have had the jump scare era of, you know, all the sinister movies and shit like that. Um, So just the way they're going to deconstruct, yeah, the Conjuring universe, anything like that. Maybe there's a stab universe in this. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, just deconstructing the genre, I look forward to whichever of those things they pick. I just want to see how they do it. Yeah. 
I never even considered that. Sorry, I'm just like still like, how? What are they going to yeah. tackle? I am. And yeah, how much horror has changed? I think we're in like a renaissance of horror right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, with these prestige horror movies, because it's like in the high last concept too. Yeah, high concept between um, uh, uh, Eggers and yeah. um, Jordan Peele Ari and Ari, Ari Aster. All of yeah. these guys in the last two years or the last few years, they've all released two fucking bangers. Both. Yeah. We're at the beginning. Like and these guys are young as shit too. They're in their thirties yeah. or forties. We're hopefully fingers crossed going to have another 30 years of their work. I'm really excited to see where they go. Totally. Hereditary. I thought was amazing. Love that movie. A comment I always have on these modern horror films, Alex, I'm curious on your take is the removal of sexuality. Now we're in the Blumhouse era where they do everything PG 13. They try to make mm. it as consumable as possible. For normies, for us, because they say, if everybody in the audience can see it, we can make more money. Let's make it PG-13. Halloween, Mm -hmm. sort of something we're talking about. I mean, it got the Blumhouse treatment, right? They did not include nudity in it. They reference one scene as a flashback in that first film that cuts to the first Halloween. They cut around a breast so that it's actually not shown in that moment. And the Scream franchise, you know, Alex, that first movie is incredibly horny. It's not overly sexual, but it's, again, Kevin Williamson is commenting on what sexuality means to horror. So what will that be for Scream going forward? You know, it's, will it be PG-13? Well, I think that uh, the reason why sexuality was so important in the first Scream is because of the age of the characters. They were supposed to be in high school. That's kind of when you're discovering so your sexuality. So by Scream 2 and Scream 3, the sexuality just kind of, like, dissipated. But... Nudity was never a thing in Scream. Like, there, there's never been nudity no. in it. And I don't think it needed nudity. I think Scream has always kind of elevated itself above just, like, the cheap, like, the quote-unquote, like, tits and gore. Like, it doesn't need that to be a good movie. It doesn't need that to be a good franchise. So, um, I, I'm okay with that. I, I don't really think they'll have to, unless they introduce, like, new characters, like, younger characters that, like, potentially might be discovering their sexuality, make that a story point, that could be fine. Um but uh, to your point, like it follows. That was all about sexuality. Well, Damn, that wasn't Blumhouse. You're right. Well, um, but that is yeah. Like, but that that's a movie about STDs, yes. sexually transmitted demons. Yes, precisely. <laughs> yes. Which wasn't a fan of for me. Um, I also that's like right. back you know, Blumhouse. I did enjoy like even the Invisible Man, which dropped a streaming this year. I think their take mm-hmm. on that was fucking awesome. I love Blumhouse. Um, I am a I'm like a Blumhouse fanboy. I'll probably say that. <laughs> Alex said mine. If Normies, if you haven't seen those Death Day series, I think the second one's better than the first. They are fun. They are exciting. High recommend. Yeah. If Groundhog Day was a horror movie, is basically the pitch for those. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the, the log line. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. how they sold the it's script. The elevator pitch. It's great. It's it's brilliant. I, I Blumhouse is interesting. They're always tackling different sort different kinds of horror movies right now. Like they we do have Get Out. We have um you know, well, they didn't do the witch. That is uh, a twenty-four. A twenty. Is that a twenty-four? I think. I think, I think so. it might be. Yeah. Confirming. Yeah. Confirming. Uh, pretty much a twenty-four. I like everything. Yes, a twenty-four. Okay. Um, yeah, I love their brand of horror as well. So it's really fun. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Jacob. I just I'll get no, this out ahead. real quick. Um, it's fun having the the Blumhouse universe of movies and the a twenty-four uh, because it's like we get both sides of like the horror spectrum where it's like really heady, really slow, really like right. Art, yeah, art, art house horror that I, I love. Yeah. And then you get like the fun movies like happy death day or the, the sequel to Halloween or Conjure. You know, right. get out, get out is kind of the perfect balance of the two, but 
Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And then you have Jordan Peele. Um, you know, his company, Monkey Paw Studios or whatever it's called. Like they're doing a lot of stuff now. So you got the Candyman uh, remake. So that's Nia DaCosta. Yeah. 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 She's a director to look out for too. Now after this, I'm excited. I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, obviously, but like I. I, this has got to be good. I just feel like it's going to be good in for sure. her hands and in Jordan's hands. Like, I think they're, it's going to be pretty fucking great. Yeah. So I think we can say, you know, the state of horror is actually pretty good right now. And um, another thing I like about Blumhouse is their strategy is they just buy up a lot of cheap properties and then they just kind of pump them out and whichever ones are successful, they'll kind of run with that. And um, so I think they're pretty smart about how they, they do things. Definitely smart. Uh, I think they, they built their castle upon found footage films, but they've done a lot lately to really kind of further the genre. And like you said, it's it's a good time for the horror genre. And I think we have the Scream franchise to thank for kind of the healthiness and hardiness of the current genre because it's not afraid to take a stab at uh, those tropes and identify them and mess with them. And so I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway from this episode. So how about we go ahead and we'll get our final thoughts on the Scream franchise, right after this. Carol whispering his name through this disappearing land, but hidden in his coat is a red right hand. We're back, normies. And we've been talking your favorite scary movie on the Scream What's franchise. Up? What's up? Uh, maybe that's the, the only thing I like about the scary movies is that no, moment, no. Mike. You're right. <laughs> not, not dated at all. Now, and Charlie Sheen in number three, giving truly one of the craziest performances any human being. Leslie Nielsen given. is the president, but that's yes, not what we're incredible. talking about. <laughs> well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking Scream. We're talking our final thoughts here as we hit the wrap up. Um... You know, I, I my if I'm going first here, Colin, my final thoughts are we talked about the importance of Scream to horror movies. We talked about the type of people who are making it behind the scenes. But, you know, to give you what Kevin Williamson meant to horror movies, inspiring Robert Rodriguez's The Faculty, you know, um, doing like Mrs. Tingle and stuff later down the road. The fact that we talked about it in our 1998 episode, Normies, go back and listen. But the fact that he was just offered to look at the treatment for Halloween H2O. They said, Kevin Williamson, if you could just do an outline. God, if you could just even give us an idea of what Mike Myers is supposed to do or what connects with the young people. God, we would give anything. Like, that is that is power. You know, we joked about it. There is a reason there's a scary movie. There's a reason there's a Meet the Spartans. And that's because of fucking Scream. <laughs> Truly. I mean, if it oh, was not made, true. we would not have gone down that rabbit hole. It is so uh, screamed a truly a goddamn important <laughs> horror movie. And like we were just said in our last segment, we're at a time where horror movies are kind of important again. So you would hope that Scream 5, my big prayers, my big thoughts are, it's going to just be a home run right out of the park, guys. I will follow up. Um, this is a longtime listener, first time caller. I think the Scream franchise is the most important <laughs> film. <laughs> um, yeah, what I kind of say during my <laughs> right, right during my segue though. Yeah, it, it's it's set up the health of the genre. I think what's cool is if you look at other franchises, it's like all right, The Conjuring's like some demon stuff. Friday the Thirteenth is obviously just what is the most creative kills. 
Uh, Scream is like the thinking man's horror franchise, right? Because it, it dares to kind of pose interesting ideas and make you kind of think in that meta way that's not overdoing it or just for meta's sake. So I enjoy it because it's a horror movie about horror. And, and that's what's, what's really great about it, in my opinion. So as a fan of cinema and the craft, the strength of the Scream franchise is in the way it tackles both of those things in parallel. Absolutely. Um, yeah, to go off what you're saying, um, I think not only it revitalized the slasher subgenre of horror and horror in general, I also think, you know, 90s, the 90s were the decade where meta became a thing. Like there's really, um, you know, it wasn't really a thing before you have Tarantino and you have um, Scream and you have, you know, Kevin Smith maybe with, with references mm. and stuff in his movies. And Jacob, truly, we, we were making fun of it. Dawson's Creek was the number one TV show in America at this time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the reference, like, it was just a thing because, you know, you have these kids that were raised on pop culture and now they're making their own stuff and referencing the pop culture that, that inspired them in their own work. And that really gave the rise to meta, which became almost overdone in the 2000s to the point where, you know, it could kind of be seen as cheap sometimes now. But I think when it's properly done, it's really good because, you know, as a, a film nerd, like, I love that shit. Like, that really gets me going, you know, the, the meta. So, um, you know, I love the Scream series for that reason. And because they're they're great movies by themselves and there's there's layers to them. And I just love that. And like I said, you know, yeah. I mentioned before, Cabin in the Woods one of my favorite movies of the like last decade, it's, you know, it's another one very inspired by Scream. So if you haven't seen that one, Norris, definitely check that out. Um, yeah, I just love it. Alex, any any last words? Last not last words. That's not a threat. Don't look oh, behind no. you though. <laughs> um, last thoughts on the, the Scream uh, franchise Cotton. before we get out of here. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it, you mentioned something interesting. How it's kind of like the people who grew up make like watching movies. They finally get to make them. Now, mm. it's for the last 10 years, there's been this huge 80s throwback, and it kind of started mm. like a little like with Drive, It Follows, and of course, Stranger Things. I kind of mm. feel like maybe this Scream movie might start a 90s throwback sort of thing that's gonna like who knows, maybe because I, I know that's there's a lot of nostalgia that's coming out right now for 90s both culture mm-hmm. like they're re-releasing ghostbusters toys that came out when i was oh, like a yeah. kid like early 90s um you know like michael keaton's well, coming back in a batman movie yeah yeah alex that makes a lot of sense because actually nostalgia they say it goes in like waves of like 20 years or so so like in the yeah. 2010s till now you had the 80s nostalgia so it makes sense that for like maybe the next five to ten years we're gonna have a 90s nostalgia wave coming back which mike take I'm, those jinko jeans off <laughs> never <laughs> Which I'm fine with, but um, one thing I really, I just, I hope that um, the 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 next Scream movie feels in like in the same family as the other ones, if that makes sense. Because yes. that's one thing I got from these films is that like since they've had the consistency of having the same core team, they've pretty much had like they see each other as like a family. If you watch these people talk in interviews about this movie, about this franchise their eyes actually light up like all of them look back so fondly. And I think that's why I'm so excited to see these characters and these people come back. It'll be weird because dad's gone, but I think they can do it. I I have faith. 
I mean, even that might be something they tackle in the movie itself, kind of death of the creator. Oh, of course. Trying to take ownership of something that they do not have, you know, the, the rights to, perhaps. Uh, who knows? But, yeah, it's going to be exciting for sure. Alex, you have been an amazing guest. Normies, I would urge you to watch movies as deeply as this man is watching his favorite movie if he's noticing how somebody's holding the knife when they're about to kill you. So check us out. You're not watching movies hard enough. You're not. (laughs) You're not. Check out your favorite stuff, Normies. Give yourself over like he is. And sir, hit us with some plugs right now. Is there anything you want to tell our Normies to check out? Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm actually a music composer. Uh, I primarily do horror. That's what I do. Uh, Right now, if you go to Shudder, you can check out. There's a documentary uh, about Nightmare on Elm Street 2 uh, called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Mm. Street. Uh, The soundtrack is for sale on vinyl uh, and CD at 1984 and Note for Note. And also the soundtrack for a Lionsgate film that I did called Hunter's Moon. That's coming out on vinyl uh, this month. And uh, there's a lot of other movies that I can't, they're supposed to come out soon, but I can't really, really, there's a movie coming out eventually called Dreamcatcher that I worked on. I can't say when it's coming out, but it's awesome. Uh, the soundtrack uh, is rad. I did it. I'm very proud of it. And it's kind <laughs> of uh, a 90s throwback, the wow. film itself. That's kind of why I was priming that little yeah, Normies, awesome. check all of this out. If I don't know if Scream King is a title. Alex is one here, guys. Uh, name your record <laughs> mm-hmm. label that, pal, because this is horror dripping off its bones. If you want something for Spooktober, check his stuff out. That is all going to be fantastic. Keep listening to us all month long. We've got more crazy spooky guests uh, talking spooky topics, your favorite things, Normies, as we're coming up on the end of Spooktober. Uh, but we're your hosts, as always. This is Killer Colin. Ghostface Mike. Uh, Deputy Jacob. Uh, Alexander guest. Meeks. Al- Alex Meeks. I don't know. I'm Randy. I don't know. I'm the Randy character. <laughs> I'm, I'm Randy. The saddest <laughs> sign off we've ever had. But thank you so much, Normies. Scream at us. We love you. you. And remember, tell us your favorite scary movie. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.